so good to see you all. Pete said, I'm Dan. I'm a curate here at St. Basil's and um, well, this is the first time I'm going to baptise anyone. So that's fun, isn't it? That's great. I'm so, so excited for this morning. And I thought I'd grab the mic just for a few moments to talk about baptism, sort of get us all on the same page. They're all singing off the same song sheet. Um, and just to, yeah, unpack what, what is baptism, why are we doing this, um, what lies before these folks. Well, are the people getting baptised? You just put your hands up. I'm imagining a density over here. Yeah, great. Let's cheer for them. There's going to be a fair few cheers this morning. So Eve, Elsie, Mark, um, Ellie and Lauren and Sophie are all getting baptised. And what an exciting morning. It's not too late to back out. <laughs> um, Right, I want to just begin, we just come off the back of Easter, haven't we? We just come off the back of Easter where we, as a church, we celebrated on three or four different occasions, like this, this journey of the Easter story. And it's really interesting because I think what, what, as reflecting on baptism, what we're doing is we're squashing the Easter story into about three or four seconds, aren't we? We're squashing the, the, the death of, of um, uh, we're going down into the water, we're coming back up out of the water. In each of those moments, where we were there, it symbolizes something. Our descent into the water symbolizes our participation in the death of Jesus, our choosing to suffer alongside Jesus. Then there's this moment where you're um, underwater, you're symbolizing the grave, you're symbolizing uh, Saturday, hopefully not down there for too long. <laughs> I actually read an article yesterday, which I thought I'd share briefly, it's in, and this lady who spent 500 days in a cave 70 meters below the ground, did anyone see that? And she emerged recently, and... Um, it's almost she was just like completely non-bothered by it. Yeah, I thought it'd be a good thing to do, and it was a good thing to do. And so it was like 500 days on her own in the dark with, um, you know, food, I think, being sort of dropped down on the string or something. So let's not do that. But that bit underwater, it represents that. The moment when Jesus is in the grave. Our ascent up out of the water represents the resurrection of Jesus. So most simply, baptism is a symbol of our being united with Jesus, both in Jesus' death and in his resurrection. Read this verse from Romans. So Paul says in chapter 6, verse 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we've been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life so that we might walk in newness of life. And there's two practices that Jesus gives his followers and then the church, which sort of drop us into the Easter story. So one is communion, which we, which we try and celebrate every few weeks here. And one is baptism, which we'd love to do more of. So um, if, this, if this morning excites you and you want to get baptized, then tell us. So these are two practices we're given. And Jesus um, says, go and do these things to remember me. And theologians call these two things uh, sacraments. They're, they're two sacraments that we're given, symbols. And I just wanted to unpack this, this definition that they, that they give of sacraments. They say they're an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. So it's an outward and visible thing that's happening, but it's a sign of an inward and spiritual grace. That's what a sacrament is. So, the, so when we gather for communion and when we do baptism, that's what's going on. There's a physical, tangible thing, but there's something going on 
underneath. It's almost like um, fire and smoke. There's, you could imagine you see from a distance a, f a smoke and you know there's a fire, right? So this is the outward and visible smoke, but we know there's something going on underneath, which is fire. And we're praying for that this morning. So we are doing something here, aren't we? We're gathering to take part in this outward and visible sign, but we're trusting deeply that God is also up to doing something here, this inward and spiritual grace. And thank goodness we're doing that. Thank goodness we're trusting that God gives God's fire to us and fills us with his spirit and changes our identity and makes us new. And it's not just what we do. It's not just the action that we do on top of it. We're trusting that God's moving. So these six people have made a commitment to follow Jesus, to die to themselves and their old way of living and to follow Christ, to live as Christ lived. So in that sense, they're choosing to demonstrate that decision in like a real way in this, in this symbol. And, and it is a bizarre thing if we actually step back and think of it, you know, we're in the 21st century secular West and here we are dunking people in water and, and saying that they're, they're born again and they're new. And that's a, it's, when we step, some of you may be here and you don't need to step back and you may just think it's all very bizarre <laughs> without needing to step out of it. But some of us who've done, you know, been in this situation a while, it is, it's a strange thing to do. We're called to be a peculiar people, aren't we? But this is the smoke. And I just wanted to consider a bit, almost like, what is the fire? What's God doing? What's God doing underneath? And just talk quickly about two things. One is regeneration. And one is initiation, being made new and being brought into community. So regeneration, what is, what's God doing? When Jesus is baptized, some of you may know the story, he comes to find John in the Jordan River and he says, look, you need to baptize me. Um, and then, oh yeah, so I'll just read this. So Luke chapter 3 verse 21, it says, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descends on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice comes from heaven he says you are my one dear son in, in you I take great delight you are the one whom I love in whom I'm well pleased and the early Christians, they, they sort of saw what happened at Jesus' baptism and, and as they were writing the Gospels and they were telling the story and they began to join the dots and they thought back to the very beginning of the, the narrative of the Bible where Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said... And God said, let there be light, let there be dry land, let there be um, birds and fish and people and the stars in space. And God said, and they drew the similarities. They said, there's, there's in Genesis, there's water. And um, if you read a bit about it, it's like the water represents the, the chaos, the, the unordered version of the world. And it says the spirit of God hovered over that, hovered over the waters and then the voice of God speaks and says, let there be, let there be light. And when you've got Jesus in this moment, he goes down into the water, the watery chaos. He comes up and the spirit of God descends on him. And a voice of God from heaven 
says, this is my son and, and proclaims identity. And so you've got creation in Genesis, literally the first two verses of the Bible. And then you've got what's happening in um, Jesus's life when he's baptized. And the Christians were like, what's going on here? If that was creation, and if we saw creation break down and go wrong, and if we see so much brokenness all around us, what's going on? <laughs> Do you know why I feel emotional for that moment? But what's going on in this moment is recreation, isn't it? It's like there's an intentional pointing back. And, and you guys are going to be, along with some others in this crowd, six little pieces of recreation. You know, like... Um, Luke, when he writes this, isn't he's not doing it by accident. He's saying, look back there, that was what it was meant to be like. It was meant to be um, people who were created to image God and to reflect God. And it's all gone a bit wrong. <laughs> and Jesus, and sorry, God, the Father, speaks to Jesus. He says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm going to fill this person with the Holy Spirit. And they're going to go and they're going to represent me. <laughs> and that's what you're going to be called to do. Which is really special, isn't it? That's what you're going to be called to do. It happens on a, on a big scale. We believe that's the story we live in, that the end of the story is things being recreated and that all things are made new. But it happens in our lives as individuals. And you guys are going to do a symbol that's a testimony to that happening in individual lives. Where we have... It's so easy for us to lose track of what it means to be human, our humanity, and lose track of the fact that we're beloved sons and daughters of God. And I think a lot of uh, the stuff that goes wrong in the world is, is, uh, finds its root in that. Um, and, and so in baptism, we're celebrating a restoration of what it means to be truly human, a recreation. And Paul says this elsewhere, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. They've become a new person. The old life has gone, the new life has come, the new life has begun. So my prayer for you is that God would fill you with his spirit, and God would speak fresh identity over you, like that happens with Jesus in that moment. And there's some who are here who, if you're honest, you may well, you may have been baptized away back, you may have become a Christian away back, and you may know very well that the old world, the old self, really has a persistent clinging onness to it, right? We're not, it's not like a black and white sudden shift, but my invitation in this morning is um, to know what the truest thing about you is. Because although old patterns of believing and thinking and doing come back to us, we may feel like we've stepped out of God's love for us, that we've stepped out of it. But the truest thing about you is what God says over Jesus in that moment. This is my son. This is my daughter in whom I am well pleased, whom I love. And we have the choice again and again to step back into the love of the Father. For those who were here last week, we talked about the prodigal son on Easter Sunday morning. We may find ourselves far from God, but the truest thing about the prodigal son was he was still the son of the Father. And when he was far off, the Father runs to meet him and welcomes him back in and puts a robe on him, restores his identity. So Paul says again and again, like put this sort of language of like, you're going to have to keep doing it. You're going to have to keep taking off your old self and putting on your new self. But, but n there's a bit of a paradox here because know that the truest thing about you is that you have been made new. 
So you need to step back into that reality. Does that make sense? Keep stepping back into that reality. So that's regeneration. And then just to briefly talk about initiation. We are uh, the, the family of God, the body of Christ. And in, if in um, dying with Christ and being made new in Christ, then we're being united with Christ. So we're being drawn into this body. We're being welcomed into the family of God. And Jesus says, where I am, there my servant will be also. In John uh, chapter 12, where I am, there my servant will be also. So if we're being united with Christ, we should be found where Christ is. We should be found where Jesus is. And back to the, the, that whole idea of like Jesus enters the watery chaos. In, in Jesus, we see God coming into our world, into the, the mess of our world, and, and pitching his tent amongst us and receiving the um, result of the suffering in our world in full force on the cross that we talked about last weekend. So where, if that's where Christ is, where should we be as the baptized? We should be amongst the hurting, the lonely, the rejected in the forgotten corners of the world where Jesus dived in and made himself one of us and became amongst us. That's what we're called to do as baptized people is to be found where Jesus is, which is in the, um, in the hurting parts of this world with the hurting people in this world. That's where the baptized are called to be. And in a sense, when we say we're united with Christ in his suffering, Christ like weds himself to the well-being of our world. He says, if you're suffering, then I'm going to suffer with you to the point of death on a cross. So we're called as the baptized to do the same, to like live alongside people, to be with them, to feel their pain. Compassion means to suffer with, you know, to have compassion and to um, feel the pain of others, but to do it in a way that where we offer a sure and certain hope in the resurrection, what comes up out of the water. We don't just uh, join people in pain and suffering and hurting with um, uh, empathy. Don't just do that. We, we exist there with hope and with the hope of the resurrection. So if we're united with the, with the hurting world, we're also united with each other because that's where all the, hopefully the Christians are found. Where, where do you find the baptized? You find them amongst those who are hurting. So as we go there and you're baptized into that reality, hopefully you'll bump into a few other Christians there. And in that process, you're welcomed into the family of God because that's where the family of God are found. That's how you're welcomed into the church. And it's, I found it such a helpful challenge just reflecting on this. Like, where are we as a church? If you had to point to St. Basil's, where does it exist um, most prominently? If you were to join in with this people of God, where would you be joining in to? As the baptized were called to minister Jesus to a hurting world. So there we go. Baptism restores a human identity that's been forgotten or, or overlaid or covered over. It takes us to where Jesus is. It takes us, this is what Rowan Williams says, closer into neighborhood with a dark and fuller world and closer into neighborhood with the others who are invited there. So my prayer for you guys is that you'll, yeah, that you'll receive afresh the, the Holy Spirit over you and that you'll hear the voice of God speaking true identity over you, that you're beloved sons and daughters of God, that you are a new creation 
And then that going on from here, you'd be able to live into that reality. You'd know that although there's a bit of a tug of war going on, that's the truest thing about you. That's the truest thing about you.